0: The Second Peter, in Chapter One. Second Peter, Chapter One. Walked out of the house this morning and I had a flat tire. Praise God! Isn't that good? I know some of you were praying that I wouldn't make it, but I did. Had the fun. All three kids came out. My son helped me. My two daughters just kind of cheered and got in the way. Amen. But had a good time changing a flat tire. Glad I got going a couple extra minutes early. And so got here and had a big time. Let's go ahead and stand together. 2 Peter chapter 1, we'll read the first 10 verses here to start off this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1, we'll pick up with verse number 1 and stand in reverence to the word of God. Verse 1, it says, Simon Peter... Ye shall never fall. Let's pray. Father, I come to you today, and Lord, I thank you for the blessing, the privilege to stand behind this pulpit, and Lord, to preach your word. What a what an honor for 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 a mortal man to be able to do so. Father, I pray that this morning, that Father, you you'd give me give me the heart and in the, the mind, and Father, the strength to preach exactly what you'd have me to preach. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to move in each and every heart in this room as He pleases. Father, I pray that not a one of us would 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 harden our hearts, not a one of us would, would turn away from the truth, but Father, we'd be open to it, and Father, that you'd touch our hearts with what you have for us today. Lord, I ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. In Second Peter, in chapter 1, picking up with verse number 9. It says, He that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was uh, purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Um, We are commanded by the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the book of Corinthians to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith or not. I believe it's a very important thing, folks, to strengthen our faith. And, boy, this morning, that's, that's what I really desire, and we're going to spend uh, the majority of our time here in 2 Peter in chapter 1. I'll use other verses to support the, the message this morning, but I want to spend a lot of time looking at this passage of Scripture, talking about adding to our faith. Um, folks, I think we have a, a misconception of what, of what church is nowadays. Um, and I, I, please don't take me wrong, and please pay attention to what I'm saying over the next, uh, well, over the, of course, the whole message, but especially here in the next few moments. Folks, we don't come to church to help our marriage. We don't come to church to, raise our, to help raise our kids. We don't, we don't come to church to heal our broken hearts. We come to church as a Christian to make much of Christ. And, folks, we need to understand that. Now, I'm not, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying We can learn in church from the word of God how to raise our kids. We can learn in church how to have a solid marriage. But I'll tell you this today. There's a lot of religions that can help you in a lot of areas. But folks, this morning what we've got to understand is the reason we come to church is to make much of our Savior. And I'll tell you this right now, if you're ever going to be a solid Christian, a faithful Christian, one who is Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, reads your Bible every day, prays, goes to the throne of grace every day, you're going to have to come to the idea and to the conclusion that you are a Christian because of Christ. You say, well, well, they'll help me with my marriage. Praise God, I'm glad you got help with your marriage. But brother, you need to understand, you're here today to make much of Christ. And if we stop making much of Christ, then folks, let's just go home, let's go to a few marriage counselors, let's read some good books on rearing our kids, let's read a few books on bitterness, but let's forget the gathering and the assembling of ourselves together if we're not here to make much of Christ. We need to understand that we've forgotten that. Our culture today, we've tried to make church a fast food drive-through service. You come to church and we'll have this ministry to reach you and we'll have this to reach you and we'll have this to help you and we'll have this to take care of you. Folks, we're supposed to come to make much of our Savior. And we've got to focus on that. We've got to understand that our world today, our country today is turning away from what we were founded on. We were founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we ever forget that, my friend, we might as well just throw in the towel and understand. You say, well, well, Pastor, I need help in this area. What well, you, you came to the right place. Amen? you got got the right God, you got the right Savior, but my friend, make much of Christ, and I promise you this, He'll make much of you. The Bible says in 2 Peter in chapter 1, it says, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. It says, add to your faith. You know, this morning, I hope you understand that faith is the beginning of your Christian life. The Bible says in Hebrews that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the cornerstone of all of Christianity. Do you understand that? Faith is the cornerstone of all of Christianity. If you do not have faith in what the Word of God says, my friend, you are lost. Hell is your home for all eternity, and you have no hope without faith in this book. You see, faith is the beginning. Faith is where the Christian life starts. It is by faith that we are saved for all eternity. It is in that moment of time when a man or a woman takes his faith out of what he thinks he sees or out of what he thinks he knows, and he puts his faith in the holy words of God, that his eternity is changed forever, and that is steadfast and sure. You see, faith, the Bible tells us, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is where it all begins for the Christian. And, and this morning you say, well, well, okay, I understand faith. That's good, but faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ, the very word of God. And my friend, understand the importance of that. Today, a lot of people, we, let's face it, we all have faith. We all have faith in something, all right. Some of you have faith that today the Packers are going to win a ball game. Some of you have faith that in a couple weeks a certain candidate is going to be elected president. Some of you have faith in, in, in a certain religion. Some of you have faith in a certain this or a certain that. Some of you have faith today in your job. Some of you have faith today in your marriage. But my friend, what is truly going to change your eternity forever is a faith in Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ that is given to us in this book. And please understand the importance of that faith. I've talked to men who believe in a so-called theory of evolution. And my friend, I'll tell you this, you must have faith to believe that theory. Do you understand that that theory is based on zero fact? They have to say millions or billions of years ago, they have nothing written from millions or billions of years ago. They have faith in an individual who came up with an idea that something happened back then and somehow it got us here today. They have faith. But the faith is misplaced. Now, friend, understand, see, your faith must be in the Son of God. Your faith must be in the the Jesus Christ that is given to us in this book. There are some today that deny the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, my friend, if you believe that He was not God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, you cannot be born again because that is not the God, that is not the Savior of this book. And we must understand that our faith must be placed in Jesus Christ and understand the importance of that without that my friend you have nothing to cling to as far as eternity is concerned but I do want to say this this morning this message is not necessarily about faith it is actually a message to help keep your faith strong in Luke in chapter 22 Jesus turns to Peter shortly before he would be betrayed and crucified. And he says, Peter, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Jesus said that to Peter. Now, folks, please understand this morning. I'm going to say a few things as by way of groundwork before we kind of take off from the message, Lord willing. But I want you to understand, your faith placed in the grace of God, Jesus Christ, is what brings you salvation. But folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. Your faith doesn't keep you saved. In 2nd Peter in chapter 1, I'm sorry, 1st Peter in chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says this. It says, let's go to verse 3. It says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance undefiled, incorruptible, and that fadeth not away." reserved in heaven for you. Now listen, verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I got saved by faith, but I'm not kept by my faith. The Bible says I am kept by the power of God. Now understand that this morning. That's an important doctrine. We have people today say, "Well, well, if your faith fails or your faith gets weak, then you lose your salvation. That's not a biblical truth. Your faith is what entered you into the family of God, that little seed that you planted by the grace of God and by His mercy and His tenderness, He saved your sinful, sorry soul. Saved mine too, amen? But folks, that is not kept by my faith. It is kept by the power of God. But today I want to talk to you, and this is, this is so necessary that we understand that. I want our faith to be strong. I don't want to be a man who said, I believe in Jesus Christ, but now I have, I have decided that I'd rather have the things of this world. And the Christians that do that are many. Many Christians turn back. Many Christians walk away and they go back to that worldly lifestyle. And folks, I don't want that to take place in our lives. I want our faith to be strong, and I want our faith to be able to turn others to Christ. Number one this morning, the Bible says in 2 Peter, in chapter 1, in verse number 5, it says, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Now, folks, I'm not going to seek to inspire you this morning. I'm going to seek to help you. This message is not dynamic. This message is not flamboyant. But this message, if you listen to it and you pay attention, it'll do something for you. You see, we got too many people today who say, well, well, well you know, I just, I just don't know if I'm a Christian or I think I am today. Or, I don't know if I am. And, and they go back to that moment when they got saved, but then they're frustrated. They don't remember all the, the specific details and they don't remember the exact words that they said. And boy, they, I'm going to tell you something right now, folks. If you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are kept by the power of God. Now, if you didn't, Put your faith in Jesus Christ. You better go back and make sure that you did. We got a lot of people running around today saying, Well, I'm a Christian. And friend, I'm going to tell you this right now. They don't know if they ever put their faith in Christ. There's going to be a lot of people who in that last day stand in front of their God and they say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? And I even cast out devils and thy name. Did many wonderful works. And he'll look at them and he'll say, Depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. He will say, I never knew you. He didn't say, I knew you once and forgot about you or you left me. He said, I never knew you. But we went to church, but we did good works, but we put money in the plate, but we did this, and we helped that fellow that that needed some help, and we did these good things. And and he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, and they'll be cast in the lake of fire that burneth with fire and brimstone. Now, understand this morning. Folks, you got to make sure that you're born again. The Bible says that, okay? He says, make sure your calling and election are sure in verse number 10. Make sure of that. Make sure you're born again. You go back and you revisit that moment. You make sure you have a time in your life when you accepted Christ. I talked to a, 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 a lady here. It's been a couple years ago, and she said, I don't know about you, Baptist. She, she said, you, you just think you have to have a day and a time where you got saved. Amen. I am rightfully accused. You do have to have a day and a time when you got saved. You don't get saved over a gradual process. You get saved when you put your faith in Christ. But, brother, I'm going to tell you this right now. That faith needs to be strengthened. That faith needs to be grown. Let's face it. When we got saved, our faith was weak, was it not? We had just enough faith to say, I believe God and his word, and I will accept Jesus Christ of the Bible As my Savior. That's all we had. By the way, that's all you needed. God was good. Doesn't matter if you're a six-year-old kid or a sixty-year-old adult. God is good. And that little seed of faith that was planted that day is what made you a born-again Christian. And my friend, if you're sitting in here underneath the sound of my voice, and you never came to that point in your life where you put your little seed of faith in the Son of God, then make today your day of salvation. But number one, the Bible says this morning, add to your faith virtue. Now, please don't misunderstand. This does not make you more saved or less saved. It makes your faith stronger. Add to your faith virtue. That word virtue, what it means, it means strength, valor, and goodness. It means a moral excellence. Let me use a word to define it. It means righteousness. In Titus in chapter 2 and verse number 11, the Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We need to add to our faith virtue. Virtue. We need to add to our faith a moral excellence. To strengthen our faith, live right. Folks, if if you want your faith to be strong, then get right with God. Get get, get things straight with Him. See, the reason our faith fails is because our faith is not exercised. Can I tell you you what happens to a man who eats Big Macs and eats French fries and drinks a bunch of Coke and then goes home and sits in his chair and does nothing and just is a big blob? He turns into a bigger blob, amen? Amen. Is that not true? Why? Because there's no exercising of that body. The Bible in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8, it says bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. We exercise the body, do we not? I walked into the doctor's office about eight months ago and the doctor said, you need to exercise. I thought, how dare you tell me what to do? He was right. I have to do some bodily exercise and praise God. The word of God says it does profit you a little. It profits your flesh. It keeps you going stronger. It keeps you going healthier. That's a good thing, not a wrong thing. And so we need to understand that our faith is a spiritual muscle. And today, many of us in this room today, our faith is very weak. Why? Because it's not exercised. How do we exercise our faith? How do we add to our faith? We live righteously. Righteously. We have a moral excellence about us that says, This is what God says. This is what I do. In many cases this morning, and when I make this statement, I want you to understand it's pointed as much as me as it is in anybody in this room. We know what God wants, but more importantly, do we do what God wants? See, it says, Add to your faith virtue. God says, will you do what I've told you to do? Christian, there should be a moral excellence about your life that is blatantly obvious. There ought to be a Christianity about us that is unmistakable. We ought to be the most honest people at our jobs. We ought to have the most pure relationships with our spouse. We ought to have the kindest and most gracious relationship with our children there ought to be something about us that is obviously different and this morning my friend if your faith needs to be strengthened then first and foremost the bible says add to your faith virtue hey young people i talked to scores of our young people and they say a pastor I, I remember that that when i was 7 years old i asked jesus to be my savior but but i don't know if i'm still saved and we'll go back and and i'll let them tell me their salvation story. And they'll say, I, I, Pastor, I know I got saved. Then can I tell you, young person, start living right? Your faith is weak because you don't want to live right. You are exercising yourself rather unto the world than unto godliness. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy that godliness is profitable to all. Godliness will strengthen me in all areas. And yet so many of us, we look at that that little faith that we had, and we say, well, I'm saved, praise God, make it strong. Because one of these days, a storm of life is going to smack you, and your faith has got to be able to stand. I've wondered many times, why did they just quit, seemingly quit? Why did they walk away? Why, Why did they just give up? Because their faith failed. God didn't fail. Hey, Peter, did the Lord fail you? No. No, I did. I failed. My faith failed. I got scared. I got nervous. I I just lost it. I've used statements like that. My faith failed. And my friend, this morning, if we want to strengthen our faith, number one, add virtue. Add virtue. Add righteousness. Secondly, the Bible says this. It says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Now understand, everything is being added to faith. Faith is the cornerstone. Without faith, you have nothing. You can live a moral, excellent life and not be born again unless you have faith. Faith is where it all begins. And please never misunderstand the importance of that. We must come to God by faith. You don't get to God by your moral excellence. You don't get to God by your righteousness. You come to God with a little seed of faith that says, God, I'm not worthy to be called your child. But you promised me I could be one. I accept Christ. But secondly, this morning the Bible says, add to your faith knowledge. 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 Now, this is not knowledge of Christ because we already had faith. This is knowledge of God's will. And i got to be honest with you. As I've read this and I've studied this, I wondered, why wouldn't this come before virtue? Why wouldn't God say, add to your faith knowledge and to your knowledge virtue? Doesn't that seem to make sense? Because, first of all, don't you think you have to know to follow? Doesn't that, doesn't that naturally just, just kind of make sense? But God here, and his wisdom, he said, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue, knowledge. And I'll tell you, here's the answer why God put it in that order. Because God, most of all, desires a willing heart. See, before he cares if you know, God cares if you're willing. God will permit actions in many cases if the heart is right. Now, please don't misunderstand. This is no excuse to be ignorant. But understand, God is more concerned with the heart than with the head. See, he said, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Hey, Christian, let's face it. I need to know what God's will is, don't I? But, folks, I'm going to tell you this. Before God cares about you doing his will, he wants to know if you'll do his will. Let's look at a new Christian, a new Christian man. And you remember this. You go back to the, the day when you got saved. Let's face it. How much of the Bible did you know? Man, some of you got saved. And all you knew is that Jesus Christ loved you and died for you and rose again so you could have eternal life. And you said, woo, I'll take it. And you came into church. And, and, and you weren't dressed like I am today. And you weren't carrying the right kind of Bible or carrying a Bible at all. And, 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 and you, you just came in and you sat down. And maybe people kind of looked at you and said, He's a little odd. But you sat there and all of a sudden the the, the singing began and the preacher began to preach. And you said, why is he talking about that? What's wrong with that? Hey, what, what, what's wrong with immorality? Folks, let's face it. Our young people today are growing up in a society where premarital sex is not just permitted, it is encouraged. They're giving kids condoms that are pre-teenage years in our public schools. You say, oh, that's, that's for protection. No, brother, they're encouraging it. Our young people are growing up in a society. And boy, I'm going to tell you right now, you get a 17-year-old who all he's ever heard is the gospel, and he walks into a church, and the preacher says, stop messing around with your girlfriend. He says, what? Everybody else is doing it. Amen? You ever said that? I don't see anything wrong with it. It makes me happy. It feels good. But God says, thou shalt not. Oh, (laughs) oh, oh. God cares about your heart more than your head. See, God permitted, you go back to that early Christian life and and, and you've been saved now for 10 years or 20 years and you look back and you say, boy, God, you were sure good to me. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And you know how the Lord convicted you. I mean, 15 years later, all of a sudden one day you were reading your Bible and you said, Lord, help us. I've been doing that for all my life. You said it's wrong. God is concerned about your heart see add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge now folks it's about time some of us begin to learn what God wants for our life if you'll take your attention to 2nd Peter in chapter 1 I'm going to give you a little bit of advice here how do you learn God's will for your life verse 15 of our text says, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. The first way that you learn of God's will is by experience. That's what Peter is sharing with these people right now. He's saying, hey, I saw this man. I was with this guy. I heard him on the mount when his father spoke to him at that transfiguration. And Peter shares his experience with these people. But then he goes on in verse 19 and he says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. The second place is you find it in God's own word. Now I'm going to tell you today, you learn by two primary factors in your life. You learn by personal experience or you learn by the wisdom of others. You don't have enough life to learn everything by experience. Amen? You say, that was a bad decision. Yes, I understand and you have the the marks on your forehead to prove it. You don't have enough life to learn that way. So what you and I need to do is to start taking God at his word and say, hey, God, I'm going to start taking your knowledge, your wisdom of what you want me to do, and I'm going to find it in your book. Far too many of us have walked out on our own and said, well, I'll just kind of do what I want to do. The Bible says that that's chaos. When a man does that which is right in his own eyes, it leads to death. It leads to destruction. It leads to sorrow. It leads to chaos, does it not? Let's face it. Just sit back and watch humanity at its best, and you'll see very shortly humanity at its worst. Will you not? Well, we need to take some good advice. God wrote a book. The book is for you. So take God's knowledge, take God's word, take God's advice, and follow it. And this morning, what we need to do is we need to add to our faith virtue and to our virtue knowledge. On Wednesday night... We've been looking at Christ. And by the way, that is the preeminent doctrine of the word of God. That's it. If you don't get anything from the word of God except Christ, you're doing fine. But folks, we don't even know who our Savior is. The Apostle Paul wrote, I know whom I have believed. And Christianity today says, <laughs> I don't know the guy. I don't know if he was born of a virgin. I don't know if he was sinless. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know. He just sounds like a good guy. And as long as I kind of kind of, you know, say I believe in him and I go to church, I'm okay. Hogwash. Hogwash. We've been sold a bill of goods, and my friend, we need to know what the Bible says about our Savior. Do you know what you believe? Have you added to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge? Do you know what the book teaches? Hey, what does the Bible say about fornication? What does the Bible say about homosexuality? What does the Bible say about abortion? What does the Bible say about divorce? What does the Bible say about those topics? Well, well I, this, is, this is how I feel. Who cares how you or I feel? Well, but, 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 but my feelings are important only to you. You do understand that, do you not? Well, it's my opinion. Good. You know? Woo! You have an opinion. Man, that's great. doesn't matter. What matters is the book. And if God says, this is right, then this is right. And if God says, this is wrong, this is wrong. But you're not going to know that unless you add to your faith virtue and to virtue, knowledge. Folks, Christianity, sadly, has become ignorant. The learned false professors of today say, you people are hypocrites. You don't even know what you believe. And in many cases, they're right. And we say, well, well, we believe it. We don't care. You don't know what you believe. You see, First Peter in verse 9, it says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. The Bible says that we ought to be ready to give every man an answer. Hey, somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I, I, think, that, I think that these programs that let people who don't want to work are fine. What are you going to say to them? Well, I think people should work. I don't think it's fair. Good, good, good. I agree with your opinion. Can you show me God's? I, I didn't say, well, 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 at church one time I heard it. Folks, let's face it. I am a man. I can offer some pretty hair-brained ideas. If you come long enough, you'll hear a few of them. And, folks, what we need to understand this morning is it is God's word that makes the difference. And so I need to add to my faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Hey, I'm sorry, world. That is wrong. And here's why. And you can't shake my faith. Folks, our faith has been shaken because people say, well, well you know, it's just, it's just it seems like we're being judgmental. No, we're properly administering the word of God. And the Bible says it's wrong. So bless God, guess what it is? It's wrong whether you agree with it or not. And it's wrong whether the world agrees with it or not because God said it. Thirdly this morning, and this is where we'll leave off, we'll pick up here next week by the grace of God. The Bible says add to your faith temperance. Temperance. That word temperance means to avoid the excesses Of the world and all impure and unclean lusts. The more we learn of him, the less we should care for the things of this world. There's a beautiful story in the book of Daniel and I'm not going to take us over there. Daniel in chapter 1 and you check me on it if you'd like. In Daniel in chapter 1, Daniel and three friends have been taken, many others have been taken into Babylon, but but four Hebrew boys make a stand. They are brought in and they are going to be made advisors and counselors to Nebuchadnezzar, the king, more or less, of the world. They are to be fed, the Bible teaches us, the king's meat, and they are to drink the king's wine. More or less, they are going to be fed extremely well and to be taken care of exceptionally well, exceptionally. They are to have no wants. That man that was in charge of them, that eunuch that was over them, he was to take care of them, more or less grant every little whim and desire they had so when they met with the king, they would be at their finest. And Daniel came to that eunuch that was over them, that overseer in charge of all those captives that had been brought to Babylon to advise the king and other cultures and how to handle political situations, Daniel went to that man and said, sir, he said, we are not to eat of the king's meat and we are not to drink of the king's wine. And then he says this. He says, for 10 days, feed us veggies and water, pulse and water, vegetables and water. And in 10 days, you see if we're not better off than everybody else is. If we are, then let us be alone. We'll serve our God. See, Daniel purposed in his heart, the Bible says, not to defile himself with the king's meat. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, if I were to pull up a dinner of steak and potatoes and put on it the finest dinner and put within a nice glass of wine, and over here I put a raw carrot and a celery stick and a cup of water, I can tell what most of us would choose. Yes? Yes? Daniel could have said, God has sent us into captivity. God has forsaken us. God has turned his back on us. God has let us down. I might as well enjoy the fine things of the world. But Daniel said, no, I will have temperance, and I will honor God in that area, and I will refuse the best of the best of the best, and I will take this because that honors God. See, the more we know of him, of him, Less that should hold sway over us. Well, pastor, I mean, surely, surely you don't think that I'd turn that down. That's our problem. We won't turn it down. We have gotten so caught up in the excesses of this world. Can I tell you? It doesn't matter how many acres you own. When you die, you die, and it's all gone. It doesn't matter how big your house was, is, or shall be. When you're gone, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter how good your job is. It doesn't matter how many cars you own. It doesn't matter how much food you have in the freezer. All that matters, my friend, in all reality, is that we look up to heaven and say, God, I will not be concerned with the things of this world. Did not God say that he would provide for us? And yet, what do most of us worry about God's promise? Oh, am I going to have a, you know, if if Obama gets elected again, I'm going to lose my retirement. God said he'd provide. Stop worrying about if Obama's going to get in or not. I'm serious, folks. You do your American duty and you vote and you vote for righteousness. And we talked about that last Sunday. But I would beg you to stop worrying about it. God said he'd provide. You say, "Well, well, pastor, you don't get it, man. No, I do get it. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. This morning for fun, and I ran out of time, I was going to have a young teenager come up here and I was going to offer them a piece of fruit, an apple or a Snickers candy bar. You know what most of us would take? Let me ask you this, which one is actually healthier for you? We know, don't we? we? Kenny, it's the apple. Just trust me, okay? Yeah. Yeah. They don't have apple-flavored Snickers, buddy. Folks, the allure of the flesh should hold less and less sway over the dedicated Christian. In fact, the things of this world should hold no attraction to the Christian pilgrim that looks for another country. You go back 50 years ago in America, almost every denomination had a Sunday night service that was almost, if not as well attended, as the Sunday morning service. Do you know we're the only church for miles and miles around that has a Sunday night service where the word of God is preached and where Christ is lifted up? If you didn't know that, you do know. Why? Because that's what's important. The things of Christ. Christ being edified dwarfs all others. You say, well, 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 what about Sunday night football? Who cares about Sunday night football? And I know the people that say amen are not football fans, but if I could find your button and I could push it, what's more important? I've talked to people, oh, I'd come Sunday night, but I got got to get some rest. Brother, I know what you're doing. You're sitting on your stinking love seat or you're sitting in your little favorite chair and you're watching that stinking television and you're saying, well, Lord, I I know I should, but, but you know how tired I get. Brother, it's amazing how we can stay awake till 1030 on a Sunday night watching some stupid movie and we come to church and we can't stay awake for 40 minutes during a sermon. What's important to us? What's important to us? You say, well, pastor, these are kind of mean things to say on a Sunday morning. I understand that. But it's true. I want our faith to be strong. And for our faith to be strong, we have to add to our faith. Now, please don't misunderstand. You don't have to have these things to be born again. It makes you ready when life hits you aside the head, when Satan comes to you and tries you, when your world The mat is pulled out and everything falls on top of you. You are prepared to handle it. Why? Because to your faith, you've added virtue. You've added moral excellence. You've added a righteous life that is pleasing to God. And you are prepared. You've added to your virtue, knowledge. You've learned of him. You know of him. You know that when bad things happened, God, why did you do it to me? Right? God didn't. God didn't. Now, did God allow it? Yes. But God didn't do that to you. I visit a guy, and boy, he's he's got lung cancer. He smoked for 45 years. Why did God do this to me? Seriously? You're going to blame God for that? Why did my son get in a car accident? Why did God do that? Was he driving 90? You don't understand? I do understand. Let's stop blaming God. And when you learn of him, you understand that. You understand that God allows consequences for our actions. He allows penalties for our sins. You say, but I thought I was saved. Yes. But if you read that book, you find out that David committed adultery with a woman and that God allowed that child to die and God allowed his kingdom to be divided. Why? Because of David's sin. And today, folks, we need to learn of Him. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance. It's time that we stop being swayed by the world and start adhering to God. Temperance. It's a word that hasn't been popular since about the 1930s, it was used when alcohol was abolished. It was called the Temperance Movement. That you know, Christians, folks. Let's face it: we like to indulge. We we like to overeat, do we not? You see a lot of skinny Baptist preachers. Let's face it: there's not a lot of them out there. Why? Because we like to indulge. And let's face it, folks: most of us today, our faith is weak because we've not strengthened it. Hey, exercise yourself rather on the godliness because it profits all. And this morning, I just you I, folks, I want to challenge because, folks, I want our faith to be strong. I don't know what's ahead for our country. I have no idea. I have no idea if that we, if we as Christians could be under persecution for preaching the truths of that book. You do understand it very well could happen. In Canada, it's illegal to preach against homosexuality openly. They can imprison you for it, and that's underneath a bunch of of legal jargon right now, and it's in courts, but you have to understand, our country could very well be in that case in a very short amount of time. Our faith must be strengthened. Too many Christians are turning back in the day of battle. Did God fail? (laughs) No. God never fails. This is but a light thing to God. But our faith needs to be strengthened. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Folks, this morning... your heart of hearts if you were to examine your faith would you go back to a moment in time when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ is there, is there and I'm not asking for a date I'm not asking for the, the exact time I'm asking you if you know you can go back to in your head and say I know that that's when I got saved man I put my faith in Christ if you have that in your life you praise God for it and you, Hebrews 2 says, Negle- don't, don't neglect so great a salvation. But Christian, let's start adding to our faith. I don't ever want to quit. I may contemplate it, but I don't ever want to quit. And to do so, I need to add to my faith, virtue, a moral excellence, to virtue knowledge, knowledge of his will, understanding his will. And thirdly, this morning, Add to knowledge temperance. To no longer have the world hold sway over me, but to adhere to the things of God. My friend, this morning, if the Lord's laid something on your heart during the invitation, you come forward. And Christian, let's strengthen our faith. And sir or ma'am, if you're in here and you've never accepted Christ and you've never put that faith in the Son of God, During the invitation, just please come down, get my attention. I'll not embarrass you, but I will have someone who knows from the Bible. And I'll have them show you how you can be born again. God's Word. My friend, if you're in such a case, please, during the invitation, come forward. But as the instruments begin to play, if God's touched your heart, please take up business with Him. Let's see some Christians today whose faith is strengthened, whose faith is attitude. Never neglect the faith, but add to it. And my friend, when that moment comes in your life, your faith will stand strong. Why do some quit? Why do some fail? Why do some turn back? Their faith was weak. I understand that but I don't desire that for my life, and I don't desire that for yours. And this morning, this message was, I tried to help, and next Sunday, we'll finish this off, but please, scripturally, let's stand strong in the day of battle. Let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Brother Tim Kozlowski, there you are. You pray for us.